passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone. I'm joined by Chris Nee, Zach Blostein. Thursday morning, we're recording this. Gentlemen, we are in full swing. It is officially Miami Hate Week. I guess it's been a Miami Hate Week, but like I feel like we're into it now. Uh, you're seeing the Twitter uh, back and forth between the fan bases. You're seeing gamesmanship a little bit from the coaching staff. You're starting to feel that intensity a little bit here. How are we feeling like with the game just a few days away now? Like, Are, are we feeling the... The hate is it running through us right now? Like Emperor Palpatine, I had a stroke. Um, yeah, it, it's it's Miami. Like it's very easy to dislike them. And I say it feels a little bit different this year. Just Miami doesn't feel like I don't know the the fans at least. The, the large focus of this week for Miami fans has been on their quarterback situation and not really this game. And that's made it feel a little bit odd. Um, you know, obviously Miami didn't have a great team last year and, and we saw the result, but it felt more like a, you know, back and forth rivalry because even going into that game, I don't think FSU fans expected that kind of victory. But this this year it just feels weird. Like the entire week, it's just been Miami fans debating 
which of three quarterbacks they want to play, which first of all, I've never seen. Like, when have we ever seen a team debating between playing three different quarterbacks? I've seen two before, obviously. Yeah, Spurrier loved to do the two quarterback thing at UF, but I don't actually remember it ever turning into three for him. Yeah, you know they, you know they say if you got three, you got, got one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Uh, that's I, just made it a, feel a little weird this week, but I mean, it's still Miami. So I have enjoyed Mike Norvell just completely disregarding that topic entirely. About the starting quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, yesterday yeah. he very directly said, We expect to be being died. Would, would you say incredulous? I thought he was pretty yes. close to being incredulous. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He, he's not here for playing that game. I mean, they're, they're going to watch every rep of every guy they can get. They always do. They're always prepared for whoever it might be, especially at that position because you're one injury away from the next guy, anyways. But like, it? yeah, they they expected to be Van Dyke. They're preparing as though it is Van Dyke, and they're not entertaining any of the other crap that comes with that. Let's settle into the gamesmanship part of it, because, I mean, that is a part of uh, any week in, week out of college football. It gets escalated and amped up during a rivalry week. And I think what we've seen throughout the season, and now that we get to do this, like, hyper-focus on it, is that, like, Mario Cristobal does that a ton. He'll say things at his press conference that don't come to fruition at all. Mike Norvell will more so just kind of dance around something. So everyone's going to have their strategy of, of how they go about it. But like the idea of not wanting to talk about your quarterback at all this week to me is, was like alarm bells ringing. Like, Oh, you, you, you legitimately don't have faith in your starting quarterback. And I think their starting quarterback will probably still be Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, we should do a buyer's note on that in a second or two, but the fact that they are not committing as that's some sort of like gamesmanship. When FSU has played Tyler Van Dyke multiple seasons, they recruited Emery Williams really closely. I don't know how much detail I can get into this, but like if FSU wanted Emery Williams, he would have been at Florida State. I am 100% confident on that one. Um, And they ended up flipping Brock Glenn and that's how that went out. But they have an intimate knowledge of like Emery Williams as a prospect and what he is as a true freshman. I think they have a pretty good working knowledge. They played against your Curry Brown last year too. Did not go well. Ask Jamie Robinson how that went. Like uh, the idea that you're getting this massive leg up on Florida State to me, I, I think it reeks of desperation. Uh, that's that's how I view it. I personally, I think if they start anyone other, like fully start anyone other than Tyler Van Dyke, I, like I'm not overly worried about this game because, like Emory Williams did a great job in their game against Clemson of being kind of a game manager and just taking control of the football he did throw one pick um but if you look at like his completions like half of them were like behind the line of scrimmage the air yards on that game yeah i'll pull that out there yeah the other half were like within five yards or something so they definitely had a game plan of of kind of just throwing stuff short hoping stuff would break and then running the football and, and they came out with a victory um so i'm not saying he can't beat fsu but van dyke in my opinion, gives them the best chance at, at winning this game. Um, he has the most arm talent, in my opinion, from what I've seen from all three. And, I mean, we've seen him, you know, have a big game against Florida State. Obviously, they didn't win, um, but they kind of stormed back in 2021. He had over 300 yards passing, I think four touchdowns in that game. So Different, different offense, buddy. Different, 100%. Yeah, I, that was the Rhett Lashley offense. I just – to me, like Van Dyke is obviously not right. Um, from everyone I speak to over there, like they feel like it's a it's a mental thing. Um, and if he has another not great performance, like Miami's on the verge of of losing that locker room. I think if 
if they roll Van Dyke out there and, and he does similar to what he's done the past two weeks and throwing, you know, five interceptions, I think total, and then 10 over the last four games. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the gamesmanship's a little weird just because like, it's not like you're going to kind of pull a fast one on Florida state. They, they have exposure to all three of these quarterbacks like extensively. So so Van Dyke's averaging about 260 per game through the year. He has 16 touchdowns and 11 picks on the year. The bigger issue for him with the picks is that they're not like pressure picks. Yeah. He's just making bad throws. He's not reading coverage as well. He's not seeing people down the field, and he's throwing and getting swiped quite often. From what yeah. I've seen. Well, legitimately on that point, and then I'll throw it back to you, Zach, like I think he's at 10 or 11 of his picks, so either all or most. I think 10 of the 11 are without pressure. Without pressure. Without, I, I went through pressure, and looked uh, based on our true media like database that we had, and this is a, a Clay Fink from, from Twitter, like first like noted how many were not under pressure or from a clean pocket. And try to put context of what it's been like in the last decade. I think he's the fifth most. Uh, interceptions per game, not under pressure among any power five quarterback out of like 500, 600, like eligible quarterbacks. Like that's, that's pretty damning. It's a little weird. Sorry, Zach, a little weird with Van Dyke though. Like watching the UNC game, he made a throw for a touchdown along the seam into the end zone. That was about as good of a throw I've seen all year in college football. And we know the arm talent's capable in there. It's just, it's, peaks and valleys to the extremes for him this year and hasn't been very good and their receiving core is capable um and i know we'll get into that but go ahead zach no i was gonna say like adding some more context to why he might be struggling like i think there was a report i think it was around the georgia tech game or around you know one of those games surrounding that game that there was a report that he had uh hit his finger against like another teammate's helmet in practice and like tore some ligaments in his fingers or something like that and i think that was a a reason as to why, like, you know, some of the, some of the, uh, you know, balls downfield weren't going his way. And then I think he was also observed at like a media availability with like a bandage on his leg or on his knee. Um, and that was like a, a few weeks after that. So was that when, um, like in Susan from, um, yes, from, from the, the Herald, Maya Maya Herald. Herald uh, reported and, on it and yeah, then and Mario kind of gave her, yeah. Uh, Oh. And then, and then the next game, he didn't he didn't suit out for uh, for Miami, and they started Emory Williams. Uh, just a side tangent. We don't have to get into it, but I I will mention it real quick. Like we've worked, Chris and I specifically have worked in an environment where the coach, the head coach, treats media very poorly. And I'm not asking for red carpet treatment. Just like having normal, like human. I'm going to treat you with it at like a level of respect that just how you would a normal human being. Um, I don't know if it's quite to that extent with Miami, but like some of the snippets we see with Mario Cristobal, not great. Some of the things we've heard behind the scenes, some of the things we've observed as reporters, uh, the disdain I felt for Miami uh, going into this season uh, had was just, that's just been escalated. I just, I, I do not like the way they operate there. And that's, my opinion. So anyway, no depth, no depth charts. <laughs> yeah. So receiver-wise, Xavier Restrepo, leading receiver, 683 with four touchdowns on the season. Very capable guy. Has 60 catches on the year through nine games. He leads them in all of those categories with the exception of touchdowns where Jacoby George has five. George has 41 receptions for 554 on the year. And then Colby Young's the next name to know, 36 for 470 and four touchdowns. That's kind of their triplets. Yeah. Right. So we're, we're talking about their offense. Uh, before we 
get into breaking down some of their, their offensive personnel when we start getting this matchup. And a reminder, we will have Nola Enemy tomorrow where Dane goes into an extraordinarily deep dive with Miami's roster with Trey, uh, and that'll be fun. I really enjoy that that episode every single week because I, I legitimately learn stuff uh, leading up to the game. Uh, before we get into kind of how the matchup's going to work for Florida State and Miami, shout out to our sponsor. Starting off with this segment, Chattanooga Whiskey, legitimately the best craft distillery in the game becoming increasingly more popular. I appreciate the support that our listenership has given them and given them a try. It's legitimately really good juice. I was a big fan before they were a sponsor. Obviously a huge fan now as our sponsor. I'm holding up, you can hear it, a bottle of their rye. I'm not a huge rye fan. They do an extraordinary job with this. It's like vanilla and a little bit of cinnamon, mintiness like that you expect from a rye. It's just like a super pleasant rye, 99 proof, so they don't skimp on it. Uh, they do an excellent job with everything you find throughout the Southeast, Chattanooga whiskey. All right, let's talk about Miami's offense, Chris, that you mentioned some of their wide receivers. They have some quarterback uncertainty. They have a hell of an offensive line, and they have a running game that that certainly seems to have potential with uh, with a nice stable of backs there. So the personnel, man, like outside of the quarterback, I'm known pretty legit. Like it, it is a decent offense. Yeah, it's a very capable offense. It's kind of mind-blowing looking at some of the results they've had on the year in moments where they just looked like they couldn't do anything offensively, and then other moments where they looked ultra-explosive, for example, Texas A&M game. Um, running back-wise, Henry Parrish Jr. leads a bunch, but there's four of them. Mark Fletcher had a huge game last week. I believe he won some ACC Player of the Week honors for how he performed. Uh, Donald Chaney is another one that needs to be known in that backfield for them. They are a very capable running team. They can line up and push you around and do it. Uh, the issue for them offensively is they, they just – I mean, the NC State game, you watch that and you would think their offense was horrible. Like, it, it was non-existent. They have, what, a fourth and two near the goal line that they can't convert, which ultimately is probably why they definitely lost that game. They just have moments like that. And it, it's kind of a tough offense to diagnose because I don't want to just categorize it as really good or really bad or even good and bad. It's sort of ultra inconsistent but yet capable. Yeah, I, I think when – so I'm pulling up some of the numbers. Like, when they are clicking, there's level to be, like, anxious about it, right? But, like, the – the what stirs it, what makes it go is quarterback, and with that being such an unknown, like, it, everything else really doesn't matter a ton. Looking at some of, like, the, uh, like, efficiency metrics for Miami here, I mean, they are – all right, I got it pulled up here from game on paper. So their, their offensive, like, EPA – per play is 63rd nationally. That's very middling. Uh, their passing attack is actually more efficient from an EPA perspective. It's 57th nationally than their rushing attack, 79th. Uh, and then even just like pulling up. So like, I thought it'd be like a good exercise this week to look at what Miami has done compared to FSU with both teams playing uh, in power five against power five competitions. So stripping out, you know, FCS games or uh, G5 games, which I think Miami got kind of fat and happy on early in their year. Also, FSU hasn't played its FCS games. So like that, that is a uh, after this week, a potential for like a little bit of rest and a uh, chance to kind of you know heal up a little bit going into Florida. But uh, anyways, like with Miami's offense, they are 25th in the power five. So that's like you know, slightly above average, but but not good, right? Uh, when you're talking about 69 teams, nice. They're 25th or worse in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of the 12 categories that I decided to track that I thought were particularly valuable. They're only top 10 and one, and that's quarterback pressure rate. The reason why they're so good in that category, guys, is because they get rid of the ball very quickly, which I think yeah. speaks to them not necessarily having a ton of trust in their quarterback. So 
you know, those are the numbers at personnel standpoint. Again, Dan will get into that more. Good offensive line, right? Like that, there's that is a beefy offensive line. A couple of transfers yeah. inside. Um, anything that scares you, like about the running game or anything that you think, like Zach, that that Miami can get FSU on to an extent on Saturday. Yeah, I mean they just have a really physical running attack, especially with Mark Fletcher. He's a huge running back. Um, I think he's like six foot two, two hundred plus pounds. He he visited Florida State, I think, as a sophomore in high school for their spring game in 2021. And when I saw him, I was like, is that a linebacker? Like he he looked like a dude back then. Um, and he's been awesome for them this year. He he won them the game against Virginia. Um, he had a walk-off touchdown in overtime. And obviously, like Chris mentioned, had a big, big week last year or last week uh against um against NC State with over a hundred rushing yards. Uh, but yeah, that I think that's the part of their offense that scares me the most. Um, I I really am intrigued to how Florida State's going to line up on defensively. Like they don't change their their scheme that much, um, you know, depending on who they play. But they like this Miami offense has kind of been figured out since that Georgia Tech game. Like most teams are either pressuring a ton or they're dropping eight in coverage and rushing three. And like you guys mentioned earlier. 10 of Tyler Van Dyke's 11 interceptions have come without any pressure in his face. And if you watch the film, it's like pretty clear. He just, you know, all his guys are double covered downfield. He forces a ball and it's picked off. Um, that's just kind of what's been going on the past few weeks. Is Florida State going to run that? Like, I, I'm really interested to see kind of how Adam Fuller plays this. What did, what did Adam Fuller say earlier in the week? about Tyler Van Dyke and, and pressuring him. I'm it's I something amongst the lines that. of like, yeah, they know he can get going. The idea is to hit knock him down before he can. Yeah. I mean, if you look at so like in 2021, I mean they started that game like completely making him uncomfortable. They were like really the only defense. So Van Dyke like took over starting duties in that year and and had an awesome finish to the season. Um, you know, was was a guy that was like you know, after the season projected as like a first round pick because of how strong he finished the year. Well, Florida State was really, like I said, the only school that kind of made him uncomfortable, especially early in that game. They went up, you know, they had him throw a pick. He turned, I think Jermaine Johnson forced a fumble. Like if you get pressure on him, yes, that's going to help. But I, it's almost like, it's a weird way to, to, to bet on, you know, kind of, playing against them just because you know usually you know quarterbacks going to make bad decisions when under pressure but like the stats overwhelmingly favor not pressuring him and him you know making errant throws in zone coverage and it seems like i mean if you look at you know miami's message board all the fans have kind of like realized this like all these all these schools after that Georgia Tech game where Georgia Tech kind of held that offense in check, that was like the first time this season that that a defense had done that. And well, held them in check because Van Dyke kept throwing interceptions. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. He threw for 288 in that game, but he threw three picks. Yeah. Well, they well, they were like that that was the first game that I think fans started to realize that that defensive coordinators were basically not committing to having a pass yeah. rush against him. And just drop 11, 11 of the 12 interceptions thrown by Miami this year, and 10 of those 11 belong to Van Dyke in this stretch, have all come since the Georgia Tech game started. Yeah. 
they haven't like their offense looked potent in the first four games, especially like you guys said against AM. Since then, not and so UNC. Long. Um, so yeah. Georgia Tech happens, they throw for 288, one touchdown, three picks. Next week, they play UNC, very much a shootout, no shocker. UNC is the USC of the East, 391 yards through the year, error in that game for UNC, or I'm sorry, for UM, but four touchdowns, two picks. Since then, they haven't thrown for more than 173 over the last three games, and they've thrown one touchdown and six picks in those three games. Yeah. So that that's going to be one of the most intriguing things to me. Um, I think Miami's strength on offense is their O-line, and behind that is probably their running game. So I'm interested to see kind of how Florida State lines up defensively um, and whether they try to commit to stop that and kind of force Van Dyke to throw stuff downfield. I'm, I'm, yeah, that's something I'm going to keep an eye on. If I'm Miami, I try to keep the ball away from FSU. I try to be a run-based offense that it throws high percentage. They like to throw a lot of things laterally. They'll also go vertical. They're going to set you up for vertical shots, but they like to throw a lot of quick screen action, stuff like that. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know what the percentage is. Maybe you know, Brendan, but I, I think it's ballpark about half of their passes are basically quick lateral motion at the line of scrimmage type of stuff, and then they take a decent amount of shots. But I think they're going to try to line up and run against FSU. I think they're going to try to control the ball, limit possessions, play that kind of ball game. At, from an FSU perspective, mm-hmm. I think they'll dial up pressure here and there, but I don't think they'll consistently try to pressure them. I think they're going to be comfortable showing four-man fronts a good bit and then letting their coverage play coverage and see if Van Dyke can dissect them or not. And, you know, if he plays as he has recently, he probably won't. So, um but if he comes out and looks like a man on fire through a drive or two, maybe they have to adjust all of those plans. That is the concern, right? It's like because you know that that's in there for him. I'm pulling yeah. up. Miami's air yards per attempt is 7.4. That ranks 115th nationally out of 133 teams at the yeah. FBS level. So they they uh they do not throw the ball vertically a ton. Although again, that's crazy. Like they have a quarterback with this like giant cannon and um, that is the concern is that he gets in a rhythm, right? And yeah. that, that is part of his, like, it's there. They've seen it. You know it exists, whether it can be harnessed this week or not, like, or this season. Yeah. TB, TBD for TBD. What game was it where FSU came out first snap defensively? They blitzed. Um, was it Clemson? No, no. They were pretty conservative. So Syracuse or? I think it was Syracuse. I think it was Syracuse with Schrader, yeah. Uh, that sounds right now that you say that. I'm interested if we see kind of that idea of this isn't how we're going to play every snap of this game, but we're going to let you know our presence exists out of the gate. Big, big game for the the forcing unit, the front porch, I feel like, because Miami's offensive line is capable. Zach spoke highly of the run game, deservedly so. Like, there's capable backs in there. I think at its core, like, if Miami ever really gets going under Mario Cristobal, it'll be a power running team. And, like, mm-hmm. so they have the offensive line a nice blend of a couple transfers in there don't get me started on that uh with some like good some good developmental stuff too like it's a nice blend of like and their size and so like it has ability to push you around potentially can fsu can fsu hold up up front with two linebackers maybe three if, if miami goes heavy personnel but can you hold up with your front four your linebackers and not have to allocate a ton of safeties to it baby loved it like does he have like an a game he usually plays his best in big games Josh Farmer, Braden Fisk, like uh, defensive ends, Pat Payton, uh, Jared Verse, like are those guys going to be able to hold their own? That's a huge part of this game. Always is in the trenches. Obviously, I'm not telling you anything like like groundbreaking there, but like that, if you can somehow man 
the front lines consistently, avoid chunk plays, avoid just Miami's success rate being fairly high on the ground to where they're not controlling the clock. You force them to be a passing team. I think that sets you up to be in a really, really good spot, like to possibly dominate the game. Like that is what you're battling for early. I think we'll have a pretty good idea of that early on. Um, anything else on Miami's offense versus FSU's defense before we move on? We'll take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast celebrate and save at ashley's anniversary sale with hot buys your choice of color starting at just 3.99 ashley sleep mattresses starting at 250 plus receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like stearns and foster temper pedic purple and beauty rest black with 60 month special financing only at ashley subject to credit approval no minimum purchase required minimum monthly payment down payment tax and delivery may be required see store for details The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, welcome back to On the Bench. Uh, Let's see, let's get into FSU's offense when, uh, obviously it's on the field, Uh, transition's not great for me, against Miami's defense. Uh, Miami does have a very aggressive defense. They have a budding superstar on the defensive line that is going to Bain, Hurricane Bain, uh, who's going to create some some legitimate uh, sleepless nights. I think for the offensive staff at Florida State, of trying to figure out how to stop that that young man and, and how versatile and strong he is. He is a ton of fun to watch. 
is going to be a really good one. He already is a really good one. Uh, he, he might be great by the time it's all said and done. Um, all right, but I think I want to start off with we can't really talk. We're not going to talk about health or personnel for Florida State. I, I do think it is breaking news here. Uh, very important for Florida State to have Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson available for for this game to help take pressure off of Jordan Travis. Like, it, yeah. if you roll into this Miami game with the same personnel you had against Pittsburgh, uh, for context, Pittsburgh's defense from an efficiency standpoint on by ESPN is 39th nationally. Uh, Wake Forest is 37th. Miami is at 29. So like a slight tier above what you've gone against the last few weeks for context, Miami's below Duke, well below Clemson. That's kind of like the area that they're swimming in. So capable defense, right? Um, Let's talk about it. What stands out, Chris, to you about Miami's defense? I mean, Ruben Bain up front and Cam Kitchens in the back half. Kitchens has four picks on the year. He's been a very good player over his career there in the secondary. Um, Miami's very capable of shutting down run games. I mean, if you watch a Clemson game, that's what they did. They they stymied Clemson entirely on the ground. Clemson finished with 31 rushing yards in that game. I think that's one of six times this year that Miami has held an opponent under 100 rushing yards. The only team that really got them on the ground was UNC ran right through the middle of them. It was kind of unbelievable, especially in the second half. UNC did what they wanted running physically straight ahead towards Miami. They ran for UNC two. with those powder blue uniforms seems to do that to Miami every year, it feels like. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I guess they have good running backs and usually a pretty good quarterback to spread you out. But like it, They it also stuck thing. with it, yeah. um, which brings me to a bigger point. I don't think FSU is going to run very well early in this game. FSU needs to run consistently throughout this entire game. UNC ran the ball more than anybody except for uh, Virginia against them. And Virginia runs a lot because, well, they can't throw the ball effectively. But UNC ran it 43 times, 235 yards on the day. I think it's one of those games where you just body blow, body blow, body blow, and hope you get the third and the fourth quarter big runs out of it. And I think they will come. Miami's defense has got a good collection of talent, like a a lot of guys that are very good, capable players. I don't think they're a particularly great unit at playing together. Um, You got a few guys who like to freelance a little bit too much. James Williams comes to mind immediately. Sometimes looks for a hit instead of making the actual play. Not always a great trait in a guy. But they do have a lot of experience on that side of all linebackers, for example, have a decent amount of experience among that group. So that is the strength of the Miami football team. That is the most consistent thing that shows up for Miami is that their defense is capable of going out there and competing with teams. But they are susceptible, too. I mean, we've seen them give up a healthy amount of points against A&M, who Miami boat race to a degree and UNC, for example, and then Georgia Tech late in that game kind of did what they wanted to when they had to. So there's examples you can point to. But last week, you know, they stymied NC State, for example, but NC State did enough to win. So I'm not overly impressed with their defense, but I also don't want to diminish it entirely and act like it's not capable. It is very capable. They can create some havoc up front. They can be very aggressive up front. And Bain's the catalyst of all of that. Bain's extremely good. He's a difficult matchup. If FSU's offensive tackles want to dismiss some of the uh, things said negatively about them this season, this is a great opportunity for them to go out there and do that against a team that's going to bring pressure. And, you know, we know FSU can pass block. The key on Saturday is can FSU run block and be effective enough at it to allow them not to be one-dimensional. Zach, I want to get your thoughts on what 
kind of stands out to you about the Miami defense, what maybe gives you a, a touch of anxiety? Maybe we'll, we should put on a one to ten scale of how anxious you are about Miami's defense. But first, let them know who's sponsoring this segment. Football coach, college dynasty, with a ninety-five percent rating on Steam. Football coach, college dynasty is the number one college football management game for PC. You can find it on Steam right now for fifteen dollars. We've got listeners playing nearly a hundred seasons in their dynasty modes. Join in is, on the fun. Is there a cap to the seasons, by the way? Like, it, does it run out? I'm uh, I'm not sure, but I mean, I haven't I haven't gone that far yet. But I'll let you know if I do. Okay. I'm sure you. I'm sure you will. All right. So, College Dynasty available on Steam. Fifteen dollars. Uh, one out of ten, Zach. Your your anxiety level. Uh, normally, I'm the one giving anxiety levels, but let's get to yours here. Uh, Miami's defense seems solid, capable. Like Chris said, uh, ten being the most anxious, uh, like Clemson level defense. One being Southern Miss. Where you at? I'd be like six or seven. Um, I I'll, I'll give their defense more credit than maybe Chris is. Like I I think it's a a pretty solid unit. Um, like their linebackers, Francisco Maui Maui Noah is like a real dude. Um, they definitely upgraded at that at that position. Was he a transfer? Yes, huh. out of Washington State. His brother is the starting uh, offensive right, lineman. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean they they just have dudes. Um, like their safeties are good. Like you said, like Chris, they do freelance a lot. Like Cam Kitchens, like has been awesome for them, but he's also given up some stuff deep because of his kind of freelancing and coverage sometimes, especially that Georgia Tech touchdown, I think was kind of on him at the end of the game. And then, yeah, I mean, their front, besides Bain, like, I think, it's, I think it's manageable. Oh, yes, I was wondering what would break first. Uh, they have two at, uh, end guys out um, with Nigel E. Kelly and Akeem Mesador both out for the season. Th- those are their two starting edge rushers. That's a toughie. I think. Yeah, I think Bain coming in is kind of almost a blessing for them because he's been more productive than those guys. Um, and, and you know, obviously teams don't have as much film to go off of with Bain as he's fresh out of high school as a true freshman. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, that's going to be the most important thing to me to watch um, along their defensive front because they do bring a lot of pressure um, amongst their linebackers and their safeties. But can Florida State hold up in their just four-man uh, fronts um, I think that's going to be an important part of FSU's ability to move the ball downfield on a consistent basis. Um, but Lance Gidry, their defensive coordinator, is known for dialing up a ton of pressure. Um, if you if you watch that North Carolina game, obviously they gave up a ton of points, but that that first half they were up and they were getting to Drake May like almost every down. Um, so yeah, I mean it's going to be important for Florida State's offensive line to continue their success and pass blocking. And I think that the key to this game is establishing some sort of consistency on the, on, you know, in the running game. Um, you know, I, I don't know if counter is going to work as well this year as it did last year um, for Florida state in this game. Um, that was obviously kind of an, an anomaly, but. So, uh, something that Gidry did discuss, uh, even though he wasn't yeah. here last year. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I, I think, uh, well, real quick, because I, I think I think your uh, attention uh, has wandered a little bit. So let me get us on track. Or do you take offense to that? No, you, you go. You continue. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> you go. No, I, I mean, 
I'm not I, – I don't think FSU is going to struggle the way it did to move the ball like it did against Clemson. But I do think that there are problems that arise with this defense. I th- the one thing I'm going to be looking at the most, though, on Miami's defense is the health of their cornerbacks. Two went down against NC State, um, Jaden Davis and Daryl Porter Jr. If you recognize Daryl Porter's name, that's Marvin Jones Jr.'s half-brother. Were, were both those guys homegrown Miami talents that they're starting at cornerback for them, or were they? The oh talent? no, they were out of the transfer portal. Um, but yeah, then another you know recognizable name behind them that came in in relief of them against NC State were the Brown brothers, Devonte Brown and Damari Brown. Florida State recruited both last cycle. They both ended up at Miami, and they're both you know backup guys for them. If they play. I feel much better about Florida State's chances of moving the ball down the field with Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson possibly playing. We don't know the extent to, you know, their injuries or anything like that. Mike Carvel expressed optimism, but also did not seem to want to talk about it when I asked him yesterday. Gamesmanship. Gamesmanship. Um, But yeah, I think that's the thing to know. Do do those guys roll out on the field, those cornerbacks, um, they got injured against NC State and did not return in that game roll out on the field on Saturday afternoon or not. Um, And if not, I think Florida State's game plan, you know, has to be to pass the football down the field. And I think that will open things up in the running game. And that's kind of what they've been this year, right? Like a pass first operation um, and and break some explosive runs during the stretch of a game. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm going to be watching the most with this Miami defense. Miami? Well, real, real quick to clarify, Zach, uh, are both the Brown brothers homegrown talents or help me? Is it one? Is it one two? is a transfer? One is a true freshman. Oh, wow. OK, cool. Miami's a tough team to diagnose because they've been a horribly inconsistent team. Game to game, they're just not the same team. They haven't been horribly inconsistent. They were really good at the start of the year. They've been really shitty in the back half. Like, yeah, but even even elements of their team have been like Clemson game. They shut the run down. UNC game, they can't. That seems ass backwards. I mean, they lose to um, Clemson, and if Clemson could build a lead, like the Clemson – No, they beat ball. Clemson. I'm saying they lost to UNC. No, I, I understand. I don't know what I said, but I understand that. I'm saying that Clemson – like you could have lost to Clemson very easily. went to overtime. Uh, and Clemson is marching like down the field early in the game. And my point being, you had a chance to take like legit control of that game. And they did what Clemson has done so much this season, which is turn the ball over in the red zone. This one was like on the one inch line. Yeah. And so my, my point being, there hasn't been anything particularly inspiring, especially away from no, home. Virginia game was dreadful to watch. I mean, they're lucky they squeaked out the victory in overtime of that one. NC yeah. State, they looked dreadful offensively. I mean, they looked absolutely lost. Georgia Tech, we don't know how that one ended. Um, with a knee and a prayer and you know UNC kind of did what they wanted down the stretch in that That's game they, they ran it down their throat and they you know did so it it's just I think I've watched pretty much every game against a p5 opponent for them this year AM included and they were really good in the AM game but their defense also allowed a lot of points to AM in that game um, but I think their defense has improved as the year's gone on but they're just—they are a team very capable of being better than they usually are. But they're also very capable of being complete and utter crap out there on the field and being unimpressive. And that—that's sort of what they are this year, I think. And a lot of that correlates to also Van Dyke's issues. Well, so so real quick, last thing I want to say about the Miami defense, as I think it like pretend portends to Florida State's offense, like what we can see develop in this. 
is like, again, if we're going through those 12 metrics that I sift through and like, is Miami elite in anything? They're really good at not missing tackles. And that's something they were awful at last year. They yeah. were one of the worst teams in the country. Mike that was, was referenced. That. Yeah, that was yeah. referenced by Mike on Monday. And it's true. They're fourth in the power five in missed tackles uh, at 27. Like that's, that's not a ton. Uh, and then they're also very good at pressuring the quarterback. They're third. Bain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Are they, uh, Ruben Bain is a dude and you can move him around. Like he is legitimately really good. Zach mentioned this. He alluded to it. Like that defense attacks. It's very aggressive. I don't even just mean from a blitzing standpoint. I, I could probably pull that up, but it's too late. Um, they are just in how they actually move and how what they're trying to uh, like attempt to do play to play bases. They're getting after it. And so like, yeah, that's going to lead to like the pressure metric there. Like that's something that you're gonna have to worry about if you're Florida state, uh, both Mike Norvell and OC Alex Atkins talk about how this defense schematically is going to always have a number advantage in the box. And so they're going to dare you to try to throw the ball downfield. Uh, Jordan Travis has gotten much better at that the last couple of weeks. He hasn't been great at it this season, depending on what's happening at wide receiver. Like that might be a, a really good thing for Florida state, or it might be a thing that provides like, Pittsburgh dared you to, and you only got a couple of them. Like, so though the, that's an aspect to watch. But like, if everything is kind of chalk, if Miami has its collection of if the cornerbacks are back, if FSU's wide receivers are back, and you're pretty much like ninety percent, you know, ninety five percent across the board health uh, on both sides. What really like I'm going to watch is Miami's pass defense versus FSU's pass offense. And obviously, there's a lot of ways you can throw the ball if you're Florida State. But you look at it where you are, yards per pass, top 10 in the power five for FSU. Miami's 35th in yards per pass defended. So they're very, very average. Passer rating for Florida State, you're sixth in the power five. Miami is 17th in the lab. Not bad. Trending towards good, above average. Like it is a decisive strength for Florida State. Finally, Miami gets burned a ton. They are about in the hundreds or worse nationally in big pass plays allowed of 30 yards or more. 40 yards or more, 50 yards or more. Uh, so there is a potential for you to hit home runs. You have to connect on it. Jordan Travis has to be really, really sharp this week. He's had a good week of practice. Uh, yesterday, there were some really fun moments for him. But, you know, that's yeah, you handle that pressure. So, like, that, that's what I'm looking at for this matchup. Um, as Chris, you alluded to, this is a talented team. Yeah, I mean, so on the pressure, we talked a lot about Bain, but there's also Leonard Taylor. There's Jafari Harvey. There's Jared Harrison Hunt. Those are the guys. That's who's going to bring the pressure up front. The linebacker that Zach referenced earlier, Francisco, is another one that can be mentioned in this conversation. You know, but Bain's the one that ends plays. Bain is the best play ender on that football team, and it shows. Anytime you watch Bain, he's only gotten better. With every rep he's played this season, the kid's become a better football player, and he was already a really good one when he walked in the door. So there's that. FSU standard down pass pro, really good. There's a few times where, like, three-man pass rush gets you for whatever reason throughout the season. But generally speaking, numbers have been really good. And I think part of that is like defenses have to account for Jordan Travis, right? And and so you know, that slows the pass rush down a little bit. But uh, I think that, again, kind of it's a strength versus a strength there. Like there's not a whole lot like when looking at the matchups directly to where you're looking at like, oh, Miami's elite at this and FSU's really bad at it. I, I just I don't see that in any area that like – inherently gives me a ton of concern. So like, as we start getting into the matchup here, maybe that's where we should go in this uh, is talk about what we think is going to happen on Saturday and how we're viewing it. Chris, I'm going to ask for a prediction, but like, before we get there, a peek behind the curtain, like 
you're staying up late uh, after the Pittsburgh game. You're waiting for the, the game time to drop. It, it doesn't for like 12 more hours. Uh, but you're watching the Miami game. You have the chance to watch that. Uh, and and you're kind of, hope I'm not revealing too much, but your mindset was like, I don't, this team doesn't scare me. Yeah. I, I, I'm unimpressed by Miami. After watching Virginia, NC State, Georgia Tech, UNC, even Clemson, which they won, and was by far the best performance in those five, I'm generally unimpressed by Miami. I think they're wholeheartedly capable. Um, you know, I look at their roster, I look at the individual talent, and I think that's a pretty good football team. Not great, but vastly improved over a season ago. But I watch them actually play football games, and I come away just thinking, like, they're, they're not – Trying, they're not good to themselves. Is probably the best way I can put it. I think they do a whole lot to damage themselves, and at times they look wholeheartedly incapable of scoring the football. And that's been a more recent trend, um, and that was abundantly clear in the NC State game where they looked allergic to it. Truthfully, them nor NC State looked like they wanted to win that football game. I mean, NC State's starting quarterback that game legitimately opted out after the game. Yeah, yeah, good times. Got to love college football games. Uh, Zach, I would unmute yourself if you're trying to interject into the conversation. Oh, it was good. Good thing I didn't. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I, I was like, MJ Morris is the NC State's quarterback. What, probably going to transfer after the season? You remember when like, everyone wanted hit, like the board when he had that one good week was like, oh, we missed up by not getting him and sticking with Jordan Travis. Yeah, I mean. A fun week. Yeah, I presume Morris is going to go find different pastures somewhere else. I don't know if they'll be greener or not, but. So what they're gonna play? They're gonna play Brennan Armstrong. Yeah, they're back to Brennan Armstrong. He he was explosive in that game against Miami. They used him as kind of a running threat. Hey, he hasn't regressed as much as some other quarterbacks in the league. You know, if if any a, a quarterback named Brennan really is that was a reference to Jerker Mitch for the record. Threat, it actually, wasn't a Van Dyke shot. I realized after I said it, people probably thought I was taking a shot at Van Dyke, who has regressed. But that was a shot at Jerker Mitch, who literally regressed to a different position. I think if Van Dyke throws a pick early, the game's over. Um, I, Water, I just, waterfall effect with young men. Yeah, I, there's not a lot of confidence there. If FSU lets him get confident, I think this is a true game, um, and it will be until the fourth quarter. But if he makes a mistake early, I just like what are, what are Miami's players going to think? Like what what's happened over the past few weeks with Van Dyke? He throws one pick, then it turns to two, then three, like. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but it feels like if they roll Van Dyke out there, which I expect them to do, and he throws, he makes a mistake early, turns the ball over. I, I don't think you know the offense is going to have faith in him, and and you know you know how that snowball effect kind of works. All right, so predictions, guys. Chris, I'll start with you. What, what do you have? And then we'll get into a game of buyers to know and get out of here. But let's let's get your prediction real quick on the game. Florida State 35, Miami 17. Okay. Uh, Zach? I got FSU 31, Miami 20. That was going to be my score, too. So I'll stick with 31-20 FSU. Yeah, I, I think Miami has a chance to keep it within uh, – what's it, the point spread? It was between 13 and 15. It's so it's 14 and a half right now. Yeah, so I think Miami has a chance to do that. Uh, there is also blowout potential. I don't know if 45-3 blowout potential, but, like, for the reasons Zach mentioned of quarterback play, if that starts to snowball and get away from you, like that does exist. FSU is the better team on paper. It's a rivalry game. This one in particular over the years, like paper doesn't matter a ton for this one. I know there's some uh, ideas that, that that's kind of a, the rivalry game is kind of a myth, you know, throughout the records, but like this rivalry game is a little different than some others. So uh, 
yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. But I think us all picking Florida State is not a surprise because when you watch the games, when you look at what's happened on paper, like, and you watch the like last month or so of the season, yeah, like Florida State should win this game. Uh, if not, something went went quite wrong. A lot of things went correct, quite yeah. wrong. Got to um, take care of the ball. You're you're going to get bothered in the pocket a time or two, and they're going to be aggressive in the secondary. Just take care of the ball. Don't make stupid decisions. Don't give them extra possessions. Don't allow them to play their game and shorten the game potentially. And there will probably be some moments like where, like Miami again has talent, and they'll be able to. Yeah, there might be some empty drives for Florida State on offense, but like if the race is to about twenty points or so, like. Florida State, if it has anywhere near its arsenal of weapons, wakes wakes up, rolls out of bed, scores thirty points. Like this is that's typically what they do. Pick game, kind of an anomaly there. And they could have scored thirty uh, one if they wanted to, um, but they they chose not to. All right, by Orson Own. Who's it sponsored by, gentlemen? The Turner, the Turner Group. Chris, we didn't have you there yesterday to scream out Becky, so Becky. I had to do it. Uh, Colin Turner, Amy Turner, Becky, everyone at the Turner Group does an excellent job of giving you a tailored, uh, hands-on experience when you enter the, the home buying or home selling market. Uh, it can be quite daunting. It can be anxiety-provoking. All these negative things you think about trying to enter, like you know, something you're making a, a huge investment in, uh, you want to be in good hands and someone who's going to actually spend a lot of legitimate time with you and, and care about what that process looks like and be well connected and be able to help you with any twists and turns along the way. That is Colin Turner, Amy Turner of the Turner Group here throughout the state of Florida. They can help you out. Uh, they have uh, resources again throughout the state. They're based in Orlando, but Gainesville, Tallahassee, they can help you out all over the place. So the Turner Group is where you want to go and they are our sponsor for by Orsonone. All right, getting this going by Orsonone. Tyler Van Dyke starts for Miami on Saturday. Bye. I'm with I'm with you on the buy too. Now we're hearing some weird rumors. Uh, yeah, as the week gets later on, but I. I what well, rumors? Weird rumors? You mean Jacoby Brown? Yes. I don't think like I don't think I'm, so either. Is that supposed to evoke fear? Like that? That's... If they use Jacoby Brown, I think it'll be more in like a package package situation as like what, a running. What's threat. happening yeah. with him, Zach? Like he's not playing intentionally, or they're not playing him intent. What? What's so they the, said that they want they decided before the season that they were going to redshirt either Emory Williams or Jacoby Brown, and apparently they like Emory Williams more. Emory's played in four games, so if he plays in this game, he's burns the redshirt. Jacoby has not played in a single game for them. He has not gotten a single snap all season, not even against Bethune Cookman. Like they did, they have not played him. So yeah, I mean, it, it seems like they want to redshirt him, but okay. interesting. I, it's a weird decision because you know the, you, they have three quarterbacks, and he seems like a guy that could be used for them. He's six foot four, two hundred and twenty plus pounds, and apparently is one of the fastest players on their team. So, you know, if Mike Norvell had that kind of weapon on offense, I think he'd figure out a way to use him. Um, and maybe that's kind of what Miami does in this game to kind of shake things up a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't view him as a as a a great passing threat, but I know some down in Miami believe that eventually he will turn the corner in that department. Uh, I, I think based on the struggles they've had at quarterback for well more than a month now, like if they had a better option, they'd be going with it at this point. Maybe just keeps regressing, but yeah, I think Tyler Van Dyke is the most likely to start and hit his, your best chance of, of winning and getting an upset win in this game. If you're Miami is him, going off and him catching fire and, and being 2021 version of himself. 
by or Sinone, Zach, a secret visitor. Didn't we do this last time? Bye. By or Sinone, FSU gets at least two commits from players who visit this game in the 2024 class. I'm not saying, you know, on, on Sunday morning they roll out and, and commit, but uh, FSU will eventually turn two of these visits into players who commit. I'll buy that. What about you, Chris? As your smirk? Oh, I didn't know I had to play. You let me skip the last one, so I thought maybe it was that was a running game. that was a running joke. Um, thanks for listening yesterday. Appreciate it. Sorry, no, you're not. I'm not. You're right. I know. Answer the damn. Sorry, Colin. Answer the question. <laughs> I will. I'm trying to remember what uncommitted 24s are coming because Dinos White's not expected. And they don't have to be uncommitted. You can flip guys. That's all good. Oh, okay. We're in. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> any any uh, clubhouse leaders there, or do we want to not want to answer that? Yeah, I mean, the, the first ones that come to mind are like Jeremiah Smith, Xavier Lucas, um, Wardell Mack, Ty Bates, Cam Coleman. Like, those are the, the flip targets that will be on campus. Well, dude, if you get two of those, you're cooking. I mean, that's that's not insignificant. Yeah, no, for sure. And and I think Florida State does what they're supposed to do this weekend. Um, they could be in a good position for for many of those guys. Yeah, other than D-line recruiting down the stretch for FSU, it's about adding immensely good talent. It, you know, it's plus one situations for the most part outside of D-line where they do need to add more people. Yeah. By or Sinone, Jamari Howard commits to FSU on Friday. Bye. 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 I was, I was on point free there. Sorry. All right. Uh, last one, unless you guys have any. Do you have any buyers and owns? Any topics that we want to go over? Buyers and own Jordan Travis throws for over 300 passing yards in this game. Wow. I was known Jordan... that. Okay. I think he'll be more in the 280 range. Okay. Very specific. I have a really good feeling that Jordan has practiced at a high level this week um, that he will be very confident going into this game. He's gaining confidence as a passer as the season goes on. I'll buy. I, I think this could be a vintage J Trav like memory moment. I, I feel more confident in that than I do that not happening. So I'll buy it. Okay. Buyers and own J Trav hates Miami more than Florida. Bye. Bye. He's from South Florida. Well, yeah, true. But he also is not like he went off in that UF game last year. Um I think in, in large part to what happened in 2021, where he had to go out for a few series in that game that they probably should have won. Um when they lost their mind. Yeah, they, they stormed back. Um, uh, if not for a few special teams mishaps, they probably should have won that game. And I think if J Trap plays that whole game, they they win. Um, but yeah, I mean it's probably pretty close, but I think the South Florida effect. Um, he he talked about. I think it was um, Packer and I don't. Durham. Know. Yeah. Durham. No wait. Are they um, still? I, think I don't know if they ACC were doing PM or was. It yeah, there was. Like, no, there was like an ACC. Like I think McLean was on it. Um, and it was like a podcast. And he yeah, it's McCain and uh, Kelly. Uh, I can't remember Kelly's last name. Grimlich. Grimlich. Yeah, that sounds right. He talked. He Jordan talked about going to Miami FSU baseball games when his brother was playing. Yeah. And almost fighting fans. Like because they were bad talking his brother. <laughs> so. so it's funny. I commonly think of Jordan in the capacity of growing up watching Devin play. And from a baseball perspective, 
the disdain between the two, FSU and Miami, FSU and Florida, is very, very healthy. But Miami's different than Florida because Miami's a true series. And a true series with Miami down there is very different because it's three days of good old-fashioned hate. And, you know, however Friday goes kind of sets the tone for Saturday and so on and so forth. With FSU Florida baseball, again, talking about Devin in the capacity of Jordan, you know, they're one-offs. So it, it doesn't feel the same. Now, they might not have been one-offs when Devin was here, but I think they still were. I remember very early on in my uh, FSU coverage career, it may have been 20, it was 2014. It was down in Miami. Miami got up ahead a little bit. And I remember tweeting out pretty like innocuously like that. It was Brad Kaya, right? That was the quarterback mm-hmm. then. Remember, and he was a true freshman. He had a really good start to the season and was giving them a lot of hope and he had by Felicia Ty. And uh, I remember tweeting out like that. He started to look a little bit like a true freshman for like one series. And, the amount of like vitriol I got from that fan base and that like little window really kind of was like the budding of like me disliking them. So I thought it was just so over the top and personal. But. And for nine years, you've added water and it's grown into this. Well, you know, they just keep telling me that they have a quarterback of the future who I should fear. And it just keeps not happening. And they had finally got one uh, and kind of locked into a kid from Glastonbury being good. And um, they've really done a great job with him. By or Sinone, gentlemen. And you're not on this note. FSU takes a knee on Saturday. I'll buy that. So you're just buying the win. Yeah, buy. Oh, I'm buying it. Buying, buying a win, win and having the ball when the game ends. And kneeing it. Chris kneeing it. For Zach Blostein, Chris Knee, I'm Brendan Sinone. Thank you to all our sponsors. This has been On the Bench. Happy Miami Heat Week. Uh, Easy we'll- for you to say. Well, it's like the blood's just going right now. I'm just I'm angry thinking about it. Can't wait to see them take a knee on Saturday. Talk to you guys later. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.